All right, we good to go? There is power in the name of Jesus. Okay. Every man dies. Not every man truly lives. Friends, we're on a series talking about the life of King David. And uh, we're using Braveheart as our theme. Last week, Pastor Joy, uh, she read... Uh, to us, the account of King David and Goliath and everything that is found in First First Samuel chapter 17. And she talked about rejection and how we can, God can use rejection to propel us forward as he did with King David and how David was able to deal with all of the rejection that he uh, was uh, faced even as, from a young boy all the way through his um, uh, being a king. And so today we're going to continue on uh, this Brave Heart series. And so let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today, God, being able to be in your presence and in your house. And Lord, we just thank you that God will be able to pull truths from your word that can be applicable to our own lives, that we could become more like you, God. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. I do apologize for not having a live event uh, today. But you can follow right along with our screens and uh, in your Bible. We, we have everything up there for you to see today. So, uh, we're on the Braveheart series. So, the word brave, let's go ahead and define that word as we're continuing in this series. The word brave is defined as ready. Say ready. ready. To face and endure danger or pain. And to show courage. I'll tell you what, that's the word, the, the word that that gets me in that definition isn't the word pain, it isn't the word danger, it's the word ready. That's the word when, when, I, when I was getting that, I was like, man, that's, that's, a, that's a deep word. Ready to face. So, so bravery is showing courage. So how does a person truly live being able to face the giants in their own lives without cowering or without fleeing. Every one of us have the ability to run, to escape, to survive. It actually is inside of us uh, a self-preservation mechanism that what happens if something is thrown at you, you automatically do what? You flinch. What is that? Flinching is a self-preservation built-in mechanism to protect yourself. So inside of us, is, is, it's, it's a natural thing to run, to flee, to survive. So what is it in a person? How is it that a person can face their own giants? What is it inside of a person that causes them to stay even when every blood cell inside them is screaming to run and to flee? How can a person muster up courage? What must we first do? In order for us to muster up courage... The first thing we must do, friends, is we must, we must learn to be able to face our own fears. We need to learn to face our own fears. In The Wizard of Oz, there is a character called the Cowardly Lion. And he says this. He says, Courage! What makes a king out of a slave? Courage! What makes the flag on the mass to wave? Courage! What makes the elephant charge his tusk in the misty mist 
or the dusky dusk? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. What makes the sphinx the seven wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? Courage. What makes the hot and tot so hot? What puts the ape in apricot? What do they got that I ain't got? And they all said, courage. And he said, you can say that again. <laughs> courage. Having courage. Having courage is being able to face our own fears. In the life of David, he was able to face his own fears. David, he gives of the own account of himself that he was able to face the lion, the bear, and then he was able to face the giant. So out of his own, out of his own mouth, he, he professes that he was able to slay a four-foot adversary, then he was able to slay a six-foot adversary, and let me tell you this, friends, experience gives us the courage, and then he was able to, to slew and slay the nine-foot adversary. Do you notice that, that God prepared him for the giant before he faced the giant? God doesn't just throw the nine-foot giants and say, here, go slay this. No, first you're going to encounter the four-foot adversary. And when he sees, okay, you're able to handle that, well, then here comes the six-foot adversary, the bear. And so David slew that bear. So when David was able to come to king, as Pastor Joy shared last week, and the king was saying, you know, I don't know how many of you know this or not, but actually king was not just a servant and a person who, who was out on... Um, taking care of his father's sheep, actually uh, the king uh, took liking to David and David was an armor bearer as well. But he wasn't obviously supposed to be in this war because he was taking care of his sheep. And so he first he fights off the four-foot adversary, the six-foot adversary, and the nine-foot adversary. And, and this is what he tells. He tells the king when, when the king says, you know, you're just a boy, you're just a runt, you know, how are you going to be able to face this man who's been fighting since he was a youth and you only are a youth? And what does he say? He says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 and 35, he said, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, are you seeing the picture? Come in and snag the sheep. What did he say? Did he say, well, at that point, I realized my life was more valuable than a sheep, and so I fled. Could that have happened? It, sh it could have, and it probably should have happened. But what did he say? He says, I went after it. Say, after it. He went after it. I struck it, rescued the sheep from his mouth, and when it turned on me, say, turned on me. I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. This man was a boss. Are you getting this? Because <laughs> guess what, friends? Anytime that you go off to, to rescue, the devil's going to come after you too. And so it's not just good enough for me to go after the sheep. Now I'm going to have to go after the one who's trying to protect the sheep. So if you find yourself in a place where you know what, you've been getting right with God, you've been bringing your family to church, your, your, your kids are, are now experiencing God and, and learning the Word of God. And you realize, why are you under such attack? Because when you are rescuing your family and your sheep okay, from the adversary, the devil, Satan, from his mouth, because it says he, roar, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, guess what? He's going to turn on you as well. 
But by the authority of Christ Jesus, you seize that sucker and strike him. Okay? What do they got that I ain't got? (laughs) Courage. (laughs) While David was tending his sheep, he was able to muster the experience and the courage to fight Goliath. Plus, we understand where David drew his confidence. He didn't draw his own confidence from his own ability to sling the shot or his own ability to take the stick and beat the pulp out of a bear. What is it? What, what does he say? He actually, uh, in a minute we'll get to this, but um, before we get to this, uh, David drew his confidence from the Lord. And he says that. When he stood before Goliath, what did he say? He said, you come at me with what? With spear and with javelin. I come at you, he didn't say with, with my slingshot. He didn't say with my, with my shepherd's staff. He said, I come before you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. So what was he saying? He's saying these are the tools that God is going to use to drop you. God. He was the one. So what are the giants in our own lives that we need to face? We need courage to face. What are the Goliaths? What are the beasts in the east that we will face? That's a big boy right there. What are the giants that we need courage to face? Perhaps in our lives, perhaps it's the ability to speak up. Perhaps it's not letting others run all over you or standing up for yourself uh, in some sort of fashion. Obviously nonviolent. Okay? Perhaps it's, um, it's uh, you having the ability to take a good look at yourself. Okay? And let me just say this side note. Say side note. Being confrontational does not equate with being brave. Okay? Let me just say that. Well, I've, I can face anybody. Well, that doesn't mean you're brave. Just because you can toe up with someone. Or you can toe up, you know, you're confrontational. That doesn't, that doesn't equate to bravery. Okay? It takes tremendous courage. Perhaps it's taking a good look at ourselves, admitting that we have a problem. I'm telling you, that's probably one of the most... A courageous musterings that we have to do is when we do a self-evaluation and to say, I have a problem. It is. Perhaps it's alcoholism or drugs, drug addiction. You didn't realize that those painkillers that you were taking, that were only meant to, to take care of the pain, but now you find yourself wanting them every day. Perhaps it's pornography or anger or gambling or any other self-gratification or addiction or perversion that we may have. Being able to, to look at ourselves and say, I need help, takes tremendous courage. It takes courage for us to be able to look at the inner man. It takes courage to deal with that, to take that good look in the mirror and say, Josh Hester has a problem. It's easy for us to find other people's faults. Amen. I mean, we can do that. I mean, we can shoot that out every day. We can look and say, this person ain't doing that right. That person ain't doing this right. This person don't know how to handle their kids. That person doesn't know how to handle their money. Whatever. I mean, we can, we can point out everybody else's flaws. But when it comes to us being able to look at ourselves and see our flaws, we have a hard time seeing that. We got this perspective that's wide and we can see, but we can't see close. Why? Because it takes a lot of courage for you to look at yourself and say, there's something inside of me that is ugly. Nobody really wants to do that. 
Who really wants to look at themselves and say, man, there's something inside me that's ugly? Okay, not the facade of what we put out for everyone else to see. Okay, there is, that's what it is. There's, many of us put on a mask. There's this thing that we want people to see and view us, for instance. Like, for, like um, if you have a person and they act one, one way at church, but then you go to their Facebook, and their Facebook is totally contradict- contradictory to, to how they present themselves at church, say mask. Why do we do that? Because we have what's called fear of man or man-pleasing. We want people to like us. We want, people to, we want to please people. And so if we're at church, we do what the church people do. When we're at work, we do what the work people do. It's masquerading. I'm telling you what, when you can take a good look at yourself and see yourself and, 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 and love yourself the way that Christ loves you, and then you'll be able to be who you are in every single place. You can be who you are at your job, at school, at church, in your neighborhood, at your home. You should, be, you should be the same you no matter where you go. If we come to church and we're like, praise God, pastor, but you don't talk like that all day long. <laughs> Amen. But then on the ride home, you're like, mother. <laughs> come on. I'm telling you, I remember, the, I remember the time when God aligned my speech with my life and aligned my life with His Word. It takes tremendous courage to deal with the inner man. Okay? It's probably hard to swallow because many of us won't like what they see. When we take a good look at ourselves and we say, whether I'm an addict, I'm a pervert, or any of these things, it's a rough thing to swallow. How many of us, when you ever, uh, were you ever sick and you had to take that big, huge, nasty pill and feel like you were choking it down. That's how it is when we have to take a good look at ourselves. It's like taking that big, huge pill that's going to make us healthy, but, it's, but we got to choke it down. Okay? It's like Brussels sprouts. Okay? When you were a kid, you ever have to choke those down? Anybody here have a parent that made them eat what was on their plate? Did they put what they wanted on their plate? Most likely not. Because you know you wouldn't have put those Brussels sprouts on there. Or whatever it is, beets or whatever, whatever it is that you don't like. You wouldn't have put those there because you would have just passed by them. Okay? But friends, in order for us to get the freedom that God wants us to have, we have to admit it and we have to own it. Say, admit it. Admit it. And we have to own it. Say, own it. We got to own it. We got to say, yes, I am and put it there. I struggle with and put it there. We have to. Because if we're not, then, then, we'll, then we won't walk in the freedom that God wants for us. Because the Bible says, to him who the sun sets free is free indeed. And what, but, but how is it? Because we got to know the truth and the truth will set us free. The truth of the word, the truth of who we are in him, the truth about ourselves. It will set us free. We cannot do it in our own strength. As David said, and I just quoted it, as David said in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, he's standing before Goliath, and he didn't say, by my own strength. You see these guns? I just, man, I manhandled a lion. I manhandled a bear. You chump about to go down next. He didn't say anything like that. What did he say? He said, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Basically saying, hey, I cannot do this in my own strength. It's by the strength of the Lord that I'm going to take you down, chump. And friends, it's the same thing. Whatever, the, whatever it is, whatever vice that the, the devil has, has 
wrapped around you that you that is that that now it's it's mastering you because that's what was happening the philistines were mastering the israelites okay they were over them okay they were they were subject to them and so guess what when we give into sin it becomes master over us and then when we get alive in christ and we realize there's freedom and that we don't have to fight this battle we don't have to have these struggles we don't have to succumb to these type of temptations day in and day out then what we say is you know what you gotta go down and the only way you're going down is by the spirit of the living god that's living inside of me because i'm no longer going to be a slave to this and it isn't until we come to that point. Israel didn't get their victory until David stood up. And we have to stand up against the sin in our lives. We have to stand against it. We got to fight against it. We got to say, I don't want you because when I give in to you, you lead to hell. You lead to the place where the devil is. And God says that, you know what, that, that there's a place that's been prepared for the devil and I'm not going there. I'm going to be with you forever, and in order to do that, I must say no to sin. I must say yes to righteousness. I must say yes to you, God. I come before you in the name of the Lord. Addiction, I break you in Jesus' mighty name. Perversion, I break you in the name of Jesus. Depression, you have to go by the power of the blood of the Lamb. Are you getting this? And then, friends, we need to draw our strength from our God. We need to draw our strength. So, number one, friends, we need to be able to face our fears. And number two, we've got to draw our strength from God. David came before Goliath and slew him because why? God had his back. Say, God had his back. God had his back. How was David able to come to the giant in the authority that he had? How, how was he able to invoke God's name before the battle? We see in, in, in the Bible when other people try to invoke the name of Jesus and they get busted up and beat up and run off. Why? Because the people that invoked the name of the Lord did not have relationship with him. But David had a relationship with God so he could invoke the authority of his name. Like, for instance, like if you have a child and, and, they, and you give them a message to give to one of your other children, and you say, you know, go tell so-and-so to do this, and so they go off and tell them. And so they're not listening. They can invoke the authority of the parent and say what? Well, mom said, or dad said. And what do they do? They just invoke the authority of the parents, and now it's official. It's official. That's what David did. David invoked the name of his God when he was facing his Goliath. Wow. And friends, that's what we have to do. When we are in Christ, when you are a son or a daughter of God, we invoke his name and say, you don't go because I'm tired of you. You don't go because I'm through with you. You go because the name of the Lord Jesus is over me and he tells you to go. Wow. So you got to go. Wow. You got to get. Say get. Yes. <laughs> you got to get. David was a son of his heavenly father. We see this in scripture. Moreover, David was a harpist. Okay, of his day, he would have been the rock star of today. Okay, they didn't have the guitar, but I can see David strumming his harp like he was a rock star. Okay. <laughs> He's out there chilling. 
and he's playing a tune to his, to his sheep. You know, he's just doing his thing. He's the rock star of the day. And he was actually pretty good because the Bible says that Saul took liking to him and actually had him come and play for him occasionally. So guess what? Saul isn't going to have just some, some uh, schmuck that's out there playing for his sheep to come in and play before the king. He was actually good. And so he said, man, this guy is good. And so he'd have him come and play. And then later on we realized that when he started, because the Spirit of the Lord left him, and when he started uh, being uh, tormented by the demon, that Dave, David would come and start playing the harp, and it would what? It would flee. Why? Because the authority of, that was on the Son of God, that was on David. Okay? Not only was he a harpist, he was a songwriter. Okay? He wrote 75 of the 150 psalms. He wrote half of them. He wrote half of the psalms. And many of us know some of the psalms, like for instance, may, you may or may have, have not ever read Psalms 23, and this is what it says. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Isn't that funny that the Lord would, that, that David would write about God uh, in a way that he could relate to him? Because who else was a shepherd? He was. And so he says, the Lord is my shepherd, because I'm a sheep. <laughs> I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the, paths, uh, the right paths for his namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or many of us know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He says, I will fear no evil. Friends, when you are in Him, when He is your shepherd, you shall fear no evil. You're living in the hood, you shall fear no evil. Okay? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's just one of the 75 psalms that David wrote. Why? David drew his strength from worship. He drew his strength. Now, I'm not just talking about singing a few songs. Okay, That is part of it. But worship is this attitude of humbling ourselves before God, realizing our weakness, our frailty, confessing our dependence on Him, then grasping the hope, the strength that comes from a reliance on Him. We acknowledge that He's King and Master of all, and He's in control, and we're not. Friends, worship is an exchange that happens in the Spirit. Say, in the Spirit. Okay? It's, it's not just a physical thing where you sing in some songs. No, worship is an exchange that happens. John chapter 4 says we must worship Him in what? In spirit and in truth. Why? It's an exchange in the spirit. As we sing, we declare His greatness and our need. And He meets us. He meets with us and He supplies. Let me say that again. When we sing, we declare His greatness and our need. Isn't that what most songs are? We're singing about how great He is and how wretched we can be. And then what, does he ha what happens? He meets with us and He supplies. Whether it's hope, strength, freedom, breakthrough, reassurance, 
Okay, whatever it is, I mean, God supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. And friends, it's one of the reasons why we express worship in this house the way that we do, which is totally biblical, because we completely believe in this, that we want to encounter God and meet with Him. Okay? We see this in the book of Psalms. How many times did David write about about singing, about worshiping, and then Psalms 150, one of my favorites, where he talks about all the different instruments that are used in worship. It's a pretty powerful thing. Friends, sometimes David would just declare the great things of the Lord in one of the Psalms, like Psalms 103. He's just talking, he says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And then in verse 12, my favorite, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then David would cry out to the Lord and write a psalm out of his great need, like in Psalm 84. And he would say to the Lord, he said, I am poor and in needy. Okay, hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my great cry for mercy. In the day of trouble, I will call out to you, for you will answer me. So David, in his, in his psalms that he's writing, he, he writes about how great God is and how much he needs him. Why? Because he drew his strength from the Lord. He drew his strength from worship being the Lord. Why do you think in one of the temptations of Jesus that the devil would ask Jesus to bow down and worship him? Because there is power in worship. Say power. Power. In worship. What did Jesus say to the devil when he said, if you'll bow down and worship me? He said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, This is what he declared. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. That's what many of us need to say right now in the name of Jesus. Away from me, Satan. Get off my mind. Get off my family. Away. He declared exactly who he is. That's the devil and get. Say devil. Get. (laughs) For it is written, he's using the word of the Lord. We need to know the word. That way we can stand on it. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Worship Him only. Serve Him only. Worship God. Satan's like, worship me. I'll give you everything. He said, get. (laughs) Roll out. See ya. (laughs) Peace out. Away from me. It is written, worship the Lord your God. Serve Him only. Friends, the Lord tells us to worship only Him. To give homage to Him alone. To put no other gods before Him. Every man dies! But not every man truly lives. How are we living today? Are we living for Him? Friends, are we running from the challenges that come before us or are we facing the challenges that are before us are we drawing our strength from God alone or have we set up another idol in our life in which we're drawing our strength from back to the cowardly lion if you ever watched that movie in the wizard of Oz when he first came up on the scene the cowardly lion looked ferocious he put on a good front he starts chasing around Dorothy and all of her companions. Dorothy gives her a good gives gives the cowardly lion a good smack in the face. 
and then his true colors are revealed. He put on this big front like he was all big and bad, but yet, but actually, they call him the cowardly lion because really in his heart, he was a coward. And it isn't amazing that it wasn't until he came before the wizard that he was able to find his courage. Friends, I'm telling you, we can put on a big front like we're all big and bad. You can square up against people, you can fight people, you can do all this, but really on the inside of the deepest, deepest part of your heart, there's cowardice in there. And when God begins to deal with you, you know what? He can put in passion, bravery, courage. Because it's not about how hard you can throw a punch. I'm telling you, when you see true courage, courage uh, comes up when you see people that step outside of themselves to look after someone else. When you're able to stand up for the broken, for the busted, for the ones that they, they can't uh, defend themselves, I'm telling you, that is probably some of the most courageous acts is when you have somebody that would step up and defend someone else who can't defend themselves. But you, we got to think outside of ourselves to do that. Because if we're primarily thinking of ourselves, then we're not going to put ourselves in a position to look after someone else. How are we living our lives today? Are we drawing our strength from God alone? Okay. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, I'm telling you, this is probably one of the most scary scriptures in all of the Word of God because it uses this one word. And I'll tell you, I see all too often many Christians falling under this word. Because Jesus said this, He said, If you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. What is that being? That is being the very first word in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. A coward. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual, immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all what? Liars. The lake of fire. This is why we're talking about uh, Braveheart and we're talking about David. This is why we, we entitled this the Braveheart series because God wants us to have brave hearts. He wants us to walk in bravery, friends, and it's, and it's not something that can come in and of yourself. It's not that you can muster up enough courage that you can walk in bravery, but that we surrender ourselves to the point in, 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 in a 100% position where He can fill us with courage to say yes to Him, to say no to sin. And when circumstances arise that we could even be like David, who when the sheep were being attacked by, by uh, the lion and they had no ability to what? defend themselves that he would say okay i have the tools to defend this helpless this helpless sheep i have the tools to defend the one that needs defended and do and he did what he put his own life on the line it's one of the reasons why we absolutely 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 need to thank people who serve in our military because that's exactly what they're doing they're putting their lives on the line for people they don't even know Friends, we need to face our fears when we need to draw strength from our God. Would you stand your feet with me today? If you're in this place today and you can 
genuinely take a, an inventory, inventory of yourself and say, you know what? There are some challenges in my life that I'm not facing. I'm escaping. I'm running from them. Could you raise your hand with me today? It's great that you can acknowledge that about yourself this morning. As G.I. Joe would say, knowing is half the battle. The other half of the battle is doing something with the knowledge with what we have. And I'm not saying that if you would come to the altar, it's a fix-all, but let me tell you this, it could be a good starting point for you to step in the right direction. If you're courageous enough to say, yeah, I've got some fears that I have not faced, and I know God's dealing with me, or I've got some challenges, I've got some Goliaths in my life. I've been having a hard time fighting. Now take courage to do this. Would you slip out of your seat and would you come to the altar? We're going to have some of our leaders pray with you today. We want to bless you. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God with you today. You don't have to fight this fight alone. You don't have to try to do it in your own strength. <laughs> it's funny. It's like tons of hands raised up. And then when I say take courage we want to pray for you the enemy want to come in and swoop in and get fear what are people going to think I'm in prayer let me just let me just share this with you when I when I was a when I was a youth pastor there was a there was a teenager that said one of the most inspiring things and I'm gonna I'm adhere to it this is what he said this is what she said she said the minute you stop answering the altar call you're on the line of being a Pharisee and I'm not saying that to manipulate anybody but I'm just saying don't let fear keep you from receiving what God wants to give you today we're going to have some of our leaders come up we'd love to pray for you today I'm going to give another I'm going to give another invitation if you're in this place and you could say you know what I have found myself drawing my strength from other things that are not the Lord. Perhaps, perhaps you, and, and I'm not putting it, please, I don't do this to try to pick on anybody. Perhaps when you're stressed out, you find yourself, I got to get that cigarette. Or perhaps I got to get, I got to, I got to, I got to open up, I got to open up this, this bottle to calm my nerves. Or perhaps there's a, there's a medicine that you're on you, that, that for some reason you can't function without in essence friends what we're doing is there's something else that we're relying on to give us strength and security when the Lord wants to be our security and our strength if that's you today we would love to pray for you if that is you as well let's pray Father we thank you God for the opportunity of being in your house today Lord we thank you that we can look at individuals like David God, who weren't special. God, they weren't anointed more than other people. God, they just was able to rise up and make the right decision when faced with challenges. And then he also made a bunch of ridiculously stupid decisions. God, which shows the humanity of David. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, that we would have a brave heart in this house today. God, that we would be willing to face our fears, our challenges, 
God, the Goliaths, the giants in our own life. Father, not only would you do that, but God, I pray that we would smash every idol in our life. God, that we would not allow idolatry to reign in our heart and in our lives. God, that we would draw our strength fully from you. Your word says to worship you alone, serve you only. God, we don't want to be, serve God anything else, Father, that would want to take precedence in our lives. So, Father, we ask, God, that you would strengthen your servants today to serve you with all of our hearts and all of our minds. We would serve you with all of our strength. In the name of Jesus. And I'm going to just pray this blessing over you today. And then if you've got to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. Make sure you greet Pastor Earl. He's in the back today. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn His face towards you this morning. And may He give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, if you need prayer, prayer today, please don't leave without receiving that. If not, God bless you. It was great to have you in service with us today. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.